Empathy is knowing our own dark Words have power. Like Without they that have connection, you don't have anything. What's the opposite of addiction? It's freedom. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Finding Peaks. Uh, I'm Jason Friesma, Chief Clinical Officer at Peaks Recovery Centers. Joining me, uh, founder, president, and uh, director of TikTok, Chris Burns. <laughs> Let's go. And uh, I'm, I'm really privileged to invite another clinician on this week, Lauren Atencio. Um, and really, after our episode a couple weeks ago uh, that we did with Morgan McKinley, we really wanted to continue to bring in the clinical experience that we provide at Peaks and, and really kind of how we are uh, engaging our clients and engaging kind of this integrated care where we treat uh, both people that are primary mental health issues and primary uh, substance use issues, kind of all with one curriculum. And, and really where we left off talking with Morgan was about uh, grief week and kind of the impact that that has uh, in, in our milieu. Like grief week, uh, with how we have our curriculum set up, people tend to do it toward the back half of their treatment episode with us. And they have an opportunity to kind of begin to walk through uh, and learn the process uh, of grieving things like we had talked about a couple weeks ago. But um, Lauren, maybe starting with you, could you maybe, let's start with what we talk about like from an educational standpoint on, on Mondays and what we kind of begin to go over with our clients. Yeah, um, you know, I think society kind of stigmatizes grief a lot in this way of like there's this certain way you need to grieve. Yeah. The way that I kind of explain it to clients sometimes, which is a little silly, but... Um, like if you're watching a Dateline episode and the commentator's like, well, he didn't look like a grieving husband, right? Mm -hmm. And that directly tells people that there's a certain way to grieve. Mm -hmm. um, a grieving husband can show up in so many different ways and I don't think it's our role to tell people how to grieve. Um, and so that's kind of what we go over in that Monday psychoeducation piece is what is grief? What is loss? Um, really kind of diving into Kubler-Ross's stages of grief and what those look like. I think another common misconception about grief is that you move through the stages and you're good. Um, but the reality of it is you are consistently always moving through grief and you're bouncing back and forth from you know, anger to bargaining to depression, these different things. And um, so it's really about kind of identifying how grief affects us, but also how it affects our mental health, how it affects our use of substances, and um, I got the opportunity to kind of work, you know, with Jason and a, a couple other clinicians um, in 2020 around grief, and a big part of grief is when we go into anger, we want solutions, and so we, we do things that make solutions, right, whether that be drug use, whether that be relationships, um, whether that be food, these different things that we tr try to do to d avoid the depression part of it. Mm. And so <clears throat> on that first day, we really kind of talk about how important the depression part is to kind of explore the pain and identify the pain, um, but at their own pace, right? I'm not gonna just throw them in to the wolves and hopefully they get through it. It's really about kind of meeting them where they're at, but also helping them get into that place to process. Yeah, I love how you put that, and I have talked to uh, when I've done some of those lectures, I've talked about how um, there, there are a lot of right ways to grieve and, and kind of a, a very few wrong ways to grieve. And I think you mm -hmm. are right, like where we do find, especially when people come to a program like Peaks, like usually they're pretty jammed up in, in uh, 
either anger or just trying to skip straight to resolution and not having kind of gone through the, the depression, well, as Kubler-Ross put it. And so I do think, like, talking about how people move through the, you know, maybe denial or anger or uh, whatever, but all in this uh, work to avoid kind of, I think, Kubler-Ross's uh, fourth stage in that, which was uh, that, that depression well uh, before resolution. And the other thing that I talk about, too, is that when people kind of skip that depression well and go straight to resolution, it leaves like an infection. It's like, it's like a Band-Aid, and it looks like it heals up over the top of it, but, um, but really there's these things usually that still need to be kind of ex- excavated and kind of worked through. Yeah. What, do you, fi- what are you hearing, Chris? Yeah, I mean, do you find, and I asked Morgan a similar question last week, but I'm just interested from your take, is, do you find with specific to mature adults and young adults mm-hmm. as they go through that process, is there any specific stages that you see mature adults maybe get more entrenched in than young adults and vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, you know, Morgan touched on it last week a little bit, but I do think there is a big gap with how older adults are allowed to feel and, and younger adults, they really do have permission to feel, right? Mm-hmm. And older adults never got the opportunity to feel. Um, and I think what I notice is that, um, and, and I don't even know if it's younger versus older, um, I would even go to kind of female versus male a little bit in this way of like men, anger is very acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, anger is the emotion that men can show and they're not gonna be judged for it. Um, and I think it becomes really comfortable for our clients to go there, right? So I see a lot of our clients, both younger and older, stay with the anger because they don't understand what's underneath it. Mm. And I think that's what Grief Week really does is it starts to explore what's underneath that anger for them. Mm. And um, it is harder sometimes with the older adults who are so like set in their ways of I am not feeling emotions, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, whereas the younger adults are a little bit more open with emotion. So I think that's the biggest barrier, but I do think it boils down to anger. Like mm-hmm. they are allowed to be angry. Nobody's gonna judge them for being angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real hard part of it is dipping into the depression well, mm-hmm. you know, and being able to identify, actually this anger is just a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do see kind of that difference with them. But again, with, with females and males too, of males aren't really allowed to feel emotions. Right. So. Yeah, and I find that I was actually talking to Jason about it this morning, and thank you for that. Um, just had an experience at home the other night where I, I was sitting in some sadness as a father, mm. um, and I, my brain kept trying to pull me right out of it and get me into anger and be like, no, nah, it's her fault. Yeah. This goes over here, you know? Uh-huh. But I, and I had to talk to Cass about it, and I said, hey, I some sadness is coming up for me, and I want to go to anger, but I really just need to sit in this. Yeah. So I really like that part. And I can't tell you how many crime shows I've been sitting there watching. He's guilty. He's like crying. Yeah, right? <laughs> but I think that's, that's so real is, like, anger is so acceptable, I mean, for anybody, and so it's easier to stay there. And when I always explain it to clients as, like, um, you've had 20 years to practice anger, and we're asking you within this hour to practice depression and pain. So it's hard, right? And it takes so much practice to be able to stop myself and say, yeah, I'm angry, and what else is going on down there? Um, and it is. It's a lot of practice, redirection. Um, it's a lot of mindfulness, really. Yeah. So It's interesting, too, for mature adults. I bet, you know, 25 years ago, we weren't talking about vulnerability and authenticity. 
Yeah. And that's kind of the inflection point with what we do. It's like we got to find vulnerability and we got to find that authenticity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and I love too, and I think we talked about it a little bit last week, how the young, you know, the young guys can actually be a, a major influence to the yeah. mature adults and vice versa in different, different weeks, different modalities and things like that. So. And I think one of the most beautiful things about our program is that, you know, a 75-year-old man walks in and a 20-year-old man walks in and they get together and they realize, hey, we're actually really similar. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they connect and... And that was my fear moving out of the young adult yeah. realm, right? Yeah, is that right. how are they going to connect with these younger individuals? But it, it is just the most beautiful thing to see this, you know, very well-established man who has done so many things with his life be able to connect with this younger adult who's just starting his life. Yeah, yeah that can be so powerful. And I do so remember cool. having that discussion, like how we, we just thought the campus would split or whatever, and really mm -hmm. uh, it's brought it. Uh, incredibly close mm -hmm. uh, when people are able to relate to one another like that and and I think it can be really healing like like for young adults to to kind of grieve with older adults and vice versa like it can just be really uh, powerful when when people are relating like that mm -hmm. so I do think Lauren um, well how our how our curriculum is set up is uh, I mentioned Monday we kind of do psychoeducation and we introduce a topic um, and we have these six weeks of uh, uh, intensives that we offer. And so Monday, we kind of talked about what we do on Monday for Grief Week. But on Tuesdays, uh, I've been really excited to talk to you about this. Um, well, what do you do for Tuesday, for yeah. Grief Week? Like, yeah. yeah, I'd love for you um, to talk about it. I'm smiling because I, I mean, this Grief Week and being able to be there is, is one of my favorite parts of my job. Um, and so... Um, what we kind of do is, um, on Monday, we set each client up with a task to write a letter, um, a grief letter to something they're grieving. And I think, again, going back to the stigma of grief is, um, and I think Morgan touched on this last time too, is like our younger adults being like, well, I've never lost anyone, right? Mm -hmm. I've never, I've never grieved. Like I've never had to grieve. And I think what's the most beautiful part about the grief process is that, loss is so universal that like, yeah, you have lost things. So mm -hmm. let's figure out what that is. Um, so we tasked them on Monday to write a letter to the person, the thing, the object, the feeling, whatever it is to um, what a letter to them, right? In the sense of this is how you've kind of impacted me and this is what I need to start to let go. Um, and then moving into Tuesday, we start to move into more of an experiential um, process. There is um, a treatment modality kind of related to Fritz Perls. It's uh, Gestalt, which he integrated this concept of empty chair. Mm -hmm. um, and exactly what it sounds like, right? Um, we usually have the client, and, and it's interesting because like, we'll have all of the other clients sitting around, right? And then we put that client right in the middle of the circle with their peers. And we put a chair in front of them and um, we sit with them and um, kind of start to process the letter. And what that looks like is, you know, I was just telling Chris, I have found that there's a special way to allow for the client to kind of get into themselves and their emotions, especially for those who aren't connected to their emotions, right? 
And so being able to have them all usually kind of sit at the very edge of my chair and very, get very, very close to them. And I make sure that my tone of voice is very low, um, kind of like a meditative state. Um, allowing them how I start is kind of tell me about what you're grieving. Tell me about, you know, let's say mom. You're grieving mom. Tell me about your mom. Tell me about what she looks like. Tell me about what she does. Tell me about your relationship with her. And so then they're kind of thinking about it. The wheels are turning. And then I kind of stop that and allow for them to feel their body. I'll ask them kind of, what are you noticing in your body? Um, is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it anger? And really focusing on, okay, well, the anger is in my chest. Okay, bring, bring focus to that, right? Help yourself identify with the anger. Understand the anger. Be with it. Um, and then after that, I will kind of move into this place of, all right, so now let's put your mom in the chair in front of you. Um, continuing to have that low voice and that meditative state. And um, like, I, I'll be like, uh, you know, what is she doing in the chair? Is she nervous to talk to you? Is she angry? Um, is she looking at you? You know, all of these different things in order to make the space a place where they can just be vulnerable and safe with the thing they're grieving the most. Um, and then we move through that, and my favorite part about Grief Week is that usually the letter that they're writing is not to what they're grieving, mm -hmm. right? And so we'll move through the process, they'll read the letter, and I kind of pick things out of the letter, and I'm like, okay, so tell, me, tell your mom more about this. And then it might get to a place of like, no, actually, I'm really grieving my childhood. Mm. You know, like I'm actually grieving what I didn't get. Mm. And I'm grieving the, the child in front of me, that inner child in front of me. I'm, I'm sad for him, you know, and I'm, I'm sad that he didn't get these things. And being able to just show compassion in that way is just so powerful for clients. And it, again, like I said, it's my favorite intervention because it allows for the clients to really just let go of what they're holding on to. So... I mean, tightly, you know, and it allows for them to just release. And another thing that I was saying, right, is that sometimes the clients aren't ready to go certain places, and that's okay. I think what this gives us is an opportunity to hold space. I've had a client in the past who sat in the chair for 10 minutes, wasn't willing to read his letter. All he was willing to do was sit there and cry. <laughs> and I just sat there, and I held that space for him because it was too much for him to hold on his own, and he just needed a little bit of support with that. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> it reminds me of um, my last trauma intensive. <laughs> it, it's just really unique what we do here because you hold space, you set the stage, you create safety. We're going into the limbic brain. Mm -hmm. We're getting a lot of work done in that what feels like hours, but maybe just 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I went <clears throat> to one of my other favorite treatment programs, The Meadows, and we sat up there in a lecture on a Monday and they were like, you're gonna get two years of talk therapy in this week. And so that's what the viewers can really expect is when you come into Peaks Recovery mm -hmm. and go through our six week curriculum. I mean, each week has that same intensity, um, that same safety and that same intentionality that really moves people through their grief, their loss, their pain and their shame in a really exceptional way. And so I always find myself telling families, I was just talking to one before I got here and I get a lot of hopelessness on that side and I'm like, mm -hmm. Just be patient, we're gonna take it 24 hours at a time and let's see where this goes. Um, because you watch people day in and day out, I come back a week later and it's like, who are you? It's hmm. a new person and I just love the way that you guys set up the safety for our clients because that's one thing, I was just in group this morning running circle and 
everybody in that group is safe. They're not hypervigilant. They're not worried about where they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep, what's going to happen, as a lot of them have been for a number of years. They're, they're set in the chair, and they're like, feed me. Yeah. You know, that's special. And I think that's another thing that's so special about our grief week is that we do it in a group setting. Mm. So they're not alone mm -hmm. through this, you know, mm -hmm. like, sure, I'm there, but all of their peers mm -hmm. who see them, who've seen them at their lowest, who've seen their most vulnerable parts are sitting there just holding this for them. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're seen, it's so much easier to let things go. Mm. Yeah, for sure. It's that empathy thing. Mm -hmm. It totally is. When I think, you know, if you, we can always tell when it's grief week on our campus because like it's a little quieter. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little. <laughs> well, and a little rowdier. A little, yeah, a little bit rowdier in, in spots for sure. But uh, there's something settles on. And I do think like our, our chef tries to cook some comfort food sometimes during grief week, which is really kind of her. Yeah. And I think, um, but there is this this tone and this camaraderie and, and and it is usually, when, I, when I've done Grief Week, just recently actually, uh, I, I had the privilege of doing a Friday session and like, that's where the guys were like, this is the best experience of my life. This is the best treatment of my life. This is the best experience of my life mm -hmm. and the most life-changing experience of my life. And, and that is so powerful. And, it, and to your point, Chris, it, it doesn't take months and years to kind of dig in there. It takes some intentionality and we kind of do it in a week. And really... You know, to kind of round out the week, like when we go to Thursday, that's where we do uh, like CrossFit and uh, you meet with the guys and we do um, some yoga and then the uh, auricular therapy or the, the AccuDetox and um, just to really help people's nervous systems settle because it's pretty activating um, when people learn how to kind of dig into the depth of their uh, depression and all that, like that can be pretty activating and stimulating. And then Friday, um, that's where we do work to kind of continue to relax the, the system a little bit, but also talk about the integration of it. Mm. And I know when I talk about that uh, during grief week, I talk about how like we, have, we grieve all the time and like this is a process you're learning and it doesn't actually take therapists and all of that to, to learn how to do a process. Mm. Um, my hope being as, as people leave peaks that they know how to like, okay, I can... I can feel my daughter, for instance, leaving for college. I don't know anything about that, but uh, <laughs> I can feel my daughter leading, leaving for college, and I can feel the sadness coming up, and I can feel almost bargaining, and I can feel yeah. myself working through these stages and then you know, sinking into the sadness of it. And with the recognition that like, I know I can move through this, and I know there's another side of resolution, and, and you know, even you know, just to continue this uh, completely hypothetical situation, I know, you know, like if she were to like come home on a holiday or whatever, like I get to go through little mini yeah. grief cycles yeah. as well every yeah. time. And so, just learning how to like trust that process too, and not block it to let it kind of flow, because I do think yeah. that's what our grief week does. Like people end up really log jammed and like. You know, I didn't grieve my grandma passing, and then my dad, and then my marriage, and then yeah. my kids don't talk. I, I have this stack yeah. Yeah. of things, and frequently people write a letter, and they're like, I, I want to write another one. <laughs> Can yeah. I do it again? Yeah. I need to, yeah. need to yeah. do it again. I've yeah. got more I've got to work on. And um, I don't know. Do you have anything to add to kind of the end of the week? I not necessarily the end of the week, but I just have something to add to that. Um, maybe the end of the week, right, is something that I really try to, like, let our clients know is, like, Hurt is inevitable. 
right? And we, we spend so much time trying to get away from it, whether that's self-sabotage, whether that's substance use, whether that's you know high anxiety, we spend so much time trying to figure out how do I not get hurt in this situation? But the problem with that is hurt is inevitable and we're all gonna get hurt at some point or the yeah. other. And so what this really does is it teaches clients how to deal with the hurt, how to not let the hurt consume them and control them, but instead they get to kind of control it. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the most powerful things. And like you said, integration that last day is being able to say like, you did it. You, this one thing that you never thought you could do, you did it. Like, it's such a cool thing to be able to give them hope that they can move through it again at some point or another. Yeah, I really love what the, what the curriculum speaks to because it is like really tangible next steps when you get out in the community. Like I'm gonna have to grieve certain things. I'm gonna have to find my identity. I'm gonna have to you know, action orient my purpose. I'm gonna have to understand my mental health. I'm gonna have to understand my substance use history. You know, I'm gonna have to walk through relationships, how to keep those, how to grieve those. And I think you're so right too. It's because when you finally hit that grief button, it's like, <laughs> here it comes. Yeah. You know, I found myself experiencing some sadness around an old friend that I hadn't talked to about five years ago. And um, I'm just starting to experience that in the last year or so. And so when you open up that channel, of this authenticity and this vulnerability, you can just be sad and not have to move away from it. And something that I'm really anchoring into and really loving to be a part of in my recovery. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And I, it, it, as we're sitting here talking through all this too, I'm thinking, you know, like if, if somebody's watching this that is contemplating coming to Peaks, like this might sound kind of scary. Sure. Yeah. Like I don't know if I want to go to a place where like mm -hmm. I got to do this hard work. So... Lauren, how do, you, how do you think we prepare clients for this? Um, yeah, you know, I think um, with our curriculum, we definitely don't just throw them into grief week right away. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a process, right? We, within individual therapy, within group therapy, we allow them to kind of know themselves more and just be able to get to know themselves more, get to love themselves more. You know, I think something that's always stuck out to me, Chris, that you said, I don't even know when you said it, but um, this is the most, one of the most special times of any of our clients' lives, mm -hmm. right? They're loved, they're seen, and they're actually getting the opportunity to love themselves. Mm -hmm. And so as, as scary as this all is, it is the most relieving feeling to be able to let some of this go mm -hmm. and be able to look at myself and say like, I did this, you know, like I moved through this. And, and I think there is a lot of fear with treatment and therapy in general. Um, and, and I'm guilty of it too. Like first time I went to therapy, I was not a fan, you know, like it was, <laughs> you're going to ask me to sit here and talk about all my stuff. Like, no, thank you. Um, but the hardest moments are the moments where you're healing the most. Mm -hmm. And I just try to like lean into our clients with that. And I, and I, I said this yesterday to kind of one of our new clinicians is that's the beauty of treatment is that we create safety, right? We create an environment where you can feel that and you don't feel like you're just going to crumble. Um, but instead you feel like, no, I know that she's over here. He's over here to be able to support me through this. Um, but I do think the curriculum is a big part of it is we prepare them yeah. to be able to process some of these emotions. 
And I think too, that is beautiful. And I think too, also with you know people that are potentially coming in or thinking of calling peaks, they might think we're coming in and I'm doing this alone. Right. Yeah. But it's completely the opposite. Yeah. And you're like, I'm gonna walk into strangers and within 72 hours, you know, we're calling these people our best friends because we're sharing in the opportunity that is vulnerability and authenticity for the first time. And so you watch people come in like this, then when in 24 hours, it's just like that. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, and, and that's the peaks environment and that's the peaks culture and that's the ability that we have and especially people coming into the program to counterbalance what is some significant adversity yeah. in early recovery. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was really insightful. And I, and I do think the link, another link between kind of primary mental health and primary substance use is people are really lonely. They're yes. detached from their relationships and they can be surrounded with a lot of people, but, um, but they're doing all this alone, truthfully. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whether they can't get out of bed because of depression um, or they're just alone in their thoughts, uh, uh, you know, ruminating or obviously alone and using. And so coming into an environment like Peaks, like it, it's what we immediately do. And, and Chris, you have set the tone uh, since 2014 that this is about building community. Mm. And we have changed a lot of aspects of <laughs> everything else about this program, but like, <laughs> That piece alone uh, is the thread, I think, that is pulled all the way through. And I think it's, it is what makes Grief Week not this uh, week of, like, oh, i got to figure all this out on my own. It's a, it's a we thing. And you did a great yeah. job describing the circle around the, the clients as they go through this process. So, um, yeah. And something I value about our program, sorry, is that yeah. I tell the, guy, the clients this all the time is, our program is probably 60% your peers. Yeah. Like, you, your connection, your community is going to get you through this when we're not there, yeah. you know? And I think mm -hmm. that is one of the most beautiful things I see in our program. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I feel like that's a whole other discussion to have too <laughs> about how uh, we are just the conduits of all that, right? Like this isn't about anybody's ego mm -hmm. and like, you know, this, uh, you know, the therapists have to be the most amazing people in the world, even though I think we are. Yeah. Uh, I think, but like we don't have like, we try to set a tone, the entire company, every department tries to set the tone that like, we're just building the structure for the healing to occur within, I think. Um, and, and providing little things and prompts and uh, pushes here and there, but I, I think you're right. A lot of it is the community. Yeah, I'd say the recovery ecosystem at Peaks is some of the best in this country, as far yeah. as I can see. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think so too. All right, well, Lauren, I really appreciate you coming on and, and doing this deep dive. And Chris, <laughs> I always love uh, your perspective and your questions and, and you sharing your own journey as you kind of have uh, walked your own path, especially over the last few years and gotten to this place where you, you can hold this conversation with us. I really appreciate it. God, that would have been uncomfortable a couple of years. No grief. Yeah. So anyway, uh, th that's it for this episode of Finding Peaks. Find us on uh, mainly TikTok. Uh, that's the best place. Um, and then also find us on uh, Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, and the other ones probably appearing on your screen now. Uh, until next time.